Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. I want you to look around right now, and uh, I just was talking to Reed. Um, it's, it's Labor Day weekend. Look around. It's so easy, isn't it, when, when things come that, that we can easily get wrapped up in the things of the world. But I just smiled at Reed and said, man, this has been an incredible weekend. I mean, I, I, I pastor the coolest people on the planet. I mean, we're here Labor Day weekend because we're in the house of God. And I just, I just think it's awesome. I'm just so, so proud of you. This is fun. And uh, so awesome. So look at someone and say, well done. Come on. I want to ask, how many here love M&M's? Oh, come on. Okay, how many just lied? And so, folks, it's the number one, if you will, candy. All these M&M's, I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? They're like, I, every, in every flavor, I mean, it's like I think you can get bugs now, you know, wrapped up in a little package. I think they even have chocolate-covered beef. It's just weird. And M&M's are wild. So how, how many really like M&M's? Well, I thought we'd do something. I, I got M&M's for everybody. So the ushers are going to bring them forward and pass them out. You help yourself. Take one little package. Take two or three if you're a pig and selfish. And, <laughs> and whatever you need to do, just help yourself to some M&M's. And, and as you're doing that, I mean, it's crazy the varieties they come out with now. It's like every week it seems like something new. Um, I'm a huge M&M fan. I got to be honest with you. Uh, Truth be told, um, I'm on a diet right now, and these are not like in the prescription for a diet. And so I know some of you are like, wow, pastor, so am I. And you're not like helping. And I just want to say thank you. Um, This is discipline moment. But how many, how many like plain? I mean, they're just a plain, plain old M&M dude. Okay, there's somebody out there. Ah! Whoa! Whoops. Oh my, that was almost not good. Any peanut people? Any nutty people? Yeah. You're going to raise your hand for every one of them, aren't you? I like these. These are, these are my wife's favorite. Anybody know what they are? Peanut butter. Peanut butter. Caramel? Do you like caramel? Oh, you don't like caramel. Okay. Here's caramel. Okay. Now, this is a new one that came out. I don't know if you've seen it. Hazelnut spread. <laughs> You're just wanting to bag M&Ms, aren't you? This, this, this one's crazy. This is a brand new one. It's come out. Have you all seen the new white candy corn? You know it? <laughs> what? What is that? These are my favorite. No, no, no. White chocolate. Oh, yeah. Am <laughs> I white chocolate? White chocolate? White chocolate? I don't think so. Um, what? I'm on a diet. Anybody else want one? 
Yeah. Dude, this, is, this could actually get quite fun. So. There you go. See, these, this will be fun. They're like little BBs going through the air. Whoa. There you go. Come on. Here, you can have that one too. Here you go. Come on. There you go. You can let finish it up. I think there's like one left. <laughs> now, I know you're thinking, what in the world is our pastor doing? Chucking out M&Ms, talking about M&Ms. Because here's something you need to know. Study after study has been done. Many of you know, like, I, I love to read. I like to learn. This is crazy, but it's true. Every great achiever, every successful person I've ever read about, I rub shoulders with, they all have one common denominator among them. Do you know what it is? M&Ms. <laughs> I'm going to show you this. It actually is M&Ms. And so Reed and I are going to tag team here just a little bit. And we're going to share this message with you. If you got your Bibles, I want to invite you to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And we're going to look at what Scripture says. And I want to help you with this. If you're not an M&M fan, I'm going to trust at the end of this message you will be. And you'll understand exactly what I'm talking about. For some of you who've been around Celebrate for a while, I actually did this message a little over a decade ago. It's been a long time. But I thought it was just so appropriate as we get ready to press into this brand new series called Unshakable. And as we unpack this message, you need to understand if we're going to be unshakable people in a very shaky time in our world right now, then you're going to have to love M&Ms. And again, you'll get what I'm talking about. So if you got your Bibles, 1 Corinthians 9, I'm going to begin in the 24th verse. Here's what Paul writes. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. And if there's a concern that I have for the church is that it seems so few people of Christ understand that God doesn't make losers, he makes winners. And yet it's amazing to me how many of God's people settle for losing. Because they don't understand what Paul's writing here. They don't understand what it really means to embrace and love M&Ms. And trust me, you'll get that in a moment. Run in such a way that you win. We're playing on the victor's team. God doesn't know anything else but victory. The Bible says that victory is in Jesus. And if it's in Jesus, and Jesus is in you, then it's in you as well. But there's some things that we have to understand that Paul says. He says, even, even though everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training, they do it for a crown that won't last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. So watch what it says. He's going to personalize here. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave. So that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. God wants us to win. But there are some things that we've got to learn about what it means to be a winner. What it means to if you will, take responsibility in our lives and 
Start really looking at our own self and saying, God, if I really yielded this to you, God, I want to experience all that you have for me. But it starts with us personally. And so a moment ago, I told you how cool it is that here we are in a Labor Day weekend and so many are in the house of God. But as we're walking through this message, I'm going to trust that you won't think about someone you wish was here because I believe that God strategically had you here. And he wants to speak to you. All great, successful people, all people who understand what that means, they love M&Ms. So if you've got a place of which you can write in your notes, you'll understand in a moment, because I'm going to give you the first M&M. Here it is. All great people master their moods. I want you to own it. I want you to personalize it as it's written on the screen. Just say it nice and loud with me. I will master my moods. Now, come on. Take a moment. Point at somebody who needs to hear this, okay? All right? I, I, I'm hoping that you're doing this. See, they love M&Ms, mastering their moods. You know what the Bible says in Proverbs 25, 28? Look at this. A man without self-control is as defenseless as a city with broken down walls. And as I look at the church today, I think there's a lot of people who are defenseless. Because every time a moment of crisis happens, they respond with another crisis. I don't want to respond in life with a crisis. I want to respond like Christ. And that starts with mastering your moods. I heard it said, weak is he who permits his thoughts to control his actions, but strong is he who forces his actions to control his thoughts. Your moods are your choice. In every moment of life, you get to choose to either react or act righteously. See, successful people understand what it means to love M&Ms, <laughs> to master their mood. Let me just ask you this. How many of you have ever made a decision in the moment based on how you felt? Okay. Keep your hands up if you're still happy about those decisions. Okay. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Successful people, people who are living effectively, people who are walking with Jesus and growing in maturity, see, they understand that I do not base what I do on how I feel. I master the mood. I like the way Paul writes to the Galatian church, and I'm going to read from Eugene Peterson's The Message. But in Galatians 5, verse 16, here's what he says. Living by the Spirit will keep you from living one way at one time according to how you feel. Choose, he says, to be led by the Spirit and so escape the erratic compulsions of your emotions. Let, let me just say this. If you don't learn to master your moods, you will always be at the mercy of them. You will always be at the mercy. That's why Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, keep your head in all situations. Keep your head. You have to learn to master your moods. Read. The second M&M is one that I wish I would have learned a lot earlier in my life. 
The second one is, I will muzzle my mouth. <laughs> Say that with me. I will muzzle my mouth. Psalm 39.1 says it this way. I will watch my ways and I'll keep my tongue from sin. I will put a muzzle on my mouth. How many of you ever said the wrong thing at the wrong time? Have you ever been me, like me, that the moment it leaves your mouth, you try to grab it back, ah, and you can't? I'm reminded of the story of the couple had been married a number of years, and she told her husband, said, you know, you just don't compliment me. You need to compliment me, especially when we're in public. You need to say something nice about me. He said, well, I don't know what to say. She said, well, at least say something. At least say something. Well, a couple nights later, they're with two other couples her age, and they're talking, and all of a sudden, one of the other husbands looks at his wife and says, would you pass me the sugar, sugar? The girls go, oh, oh, sweet. A couple minutes later, the second husband looks at his wife and says, would you pass me the honey, honey? The girls go, oh, like this. And this third guy is sweating bullets. I mean, he's sweating bullets. He knows he hasn't come up with a compliment, so he finally looks across the wife and says, would you pass me the tea bag? He could have appreciated Proverbs 13.3, which says, he who guards his lips guards his life, or maybe saves his life. A preacher was visiting a family where the father had passed away, and he asked the younger son, he said, did your dad have any last words at all before he passed away? And the son said, nah, he didn't have a chance. Mama was with him till the very end. <laughs> well, Proverbs 21.23 says it this way, keep your mouth shut and you'll stay out of trouble. Or the old adage says that a closed mouth gathers no foot. James 1.26 says it this way, if you don't know how to tame your tongue, your religion is worthless. A lot of times we think that muzzling our mouth means that you don't say something that you want to say. But it also also means the opposite. Choosing to say the righteous thing even though you might not want to. So finish the phrase for me. If you can't find anything good to say, wrong. Nope. Muzzle your mouth says, if you can't find something good to say, find something good to say and say it. We can find good in anybody, and we can choose to compliment and lift up somebody. It's interesting that the pastors here on staff, how many conversations we have with people who are still struggling from things that were said to them years ago. And they still hold on to that today. Yet the opposite is also true. I look at our church planters. And for them, because someone spoke to them and said, we believe in you. We believe God has great plans for you. You could take a city. They believed that as well. Here's a poem. I think it says it a lot. A careless word may kindle strife. A cruel word may wreck a life. A bitter word may hate instill. A brutal word may smite and kill. But a gracious word may smooth the way. A joyous word may light the day. A timely word may lessen stress. A loving word may heal and bless. I will muzzle my mouth. Here's number three. I will merit my moments. Say that with me. I will merit my moments. Ephesians 5 says this, live life with a due sense of responsibility. Make the best use of your time. I say this all the time. Time is, I believe, one of the greatest gifts that God ever gave us. And we don't even recognize it. 
And of all the gifts that God has given us, I think it's the one that we take for granted and it's the one that we neglect the most. See, effective, great people who want to make their life count understand how important the moment is. Someone once said it this way, you need to stop counting the minutes and make the minutes count. And I think they're right. In fact, Benjamin Franklin said, do not squander time, for it is the stuff life is made of. Have you ever said these words or heard someone say, I wish I had more time? You ever think about that statement? Because it's not going to happen. And yet we keep saying it. Boy, if I just had more time. But the reality is this. If you actually could fabricate and make more time, you'd probably do the same thing with the, as you did with the time you already got. And then you'd want more. Folks, we don't need more time. We need to understand what Jackson Brown said. He said, don't say you don't have enough time. You have exactly the same number of hours per day that was given to Helen Keller, Pasteur, Michelangelo, Mother Teresa, Leonardo da Vinci, Thomas Jefferson, and Albert Einstein. And maybe the only difference between their life and your life is they learned how to merit the moment. I mean, we all know time flies, right? But you're the pilot. You get to decide where your time goes. In fact, research tells us, we all know, that the average lifespan now is a little over 71 years of age. 71 years, that's all we get. And did you know that 24 of those years, on average, you'll be sleeping? So one-third of your life, you're not even awake. You're not even, if you will, have a clue of what's really going on. Now, we know that's reality. 17 of those years, you'll be working, but here's the one that saddens me. On average, in this country, 13 of your years, 13 years of life, you're going to be sitting in front of a television. And that television is doing nothing of really making your life better. But we'll just throw them away. So it's weird when people go, I need more time. I think you need to use the time you got. But in this study, 71 plus years, all of your life, you'll only spend one year total in church. And yet, how many of God's people come up and say, boy, pastor, you're preaching a little too long. And I always defend Reed and say, he does not, you know. <laughs> Yesterday is a canceled check. Tomorrow is a promissory note. Today is the only cash you have. So spend it wisely. See, I think we need to learn to pray as David prayed. Teach us to number our days, O Lord, and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. You know, if there's one thing I want to encourage us, maybe we can just do this next year. Stop wishing the next season in too quickly. I don't know how many times when it's cold outside and the snow's in the ground, people come up, oh, I just can't wait for spring. Well, you're going to have to. <laughs> Oh, I just can't wait for summer when it just warms up. Well, you're going to have to. Oh, it's so hot. I just can't wait for the fall to come. Well, you're going to have to. Oh, and I've heard people already tell me this. They come up and said, I just can't wait for Christmas this year. You're going to have to. <laughs> How about instead of we quit wishing for what is to come and start embracing what we got? Amen to that? I think we need to start meriting the moments. Read. 
The last M&M I wish we as a country would understand, but it really has to start by us. And that says, I will manage my money. Say that with me. I will manage my money. Proverbs 21.20. I encourage you to write that down. Proverbs 21.20. And then go home in your Bibles. Look at this. Here's what it says. The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Does that not describe us today many times? So here's a question. How disciplined are you and I in managing our money? See, materialism isn't owning things. It's being owned by things. It's the thought, thought that more is what I need. More is never enough. <laughs> How many you know that people say, man, if I just had more, if I just had more? Here's some myths I want to give you real quick about the thought process, the myth of more. Number one is having more money will make me happy. Here's the reality. We have more stuff as American society than we've ever had, and we fill our houses and even storage units with it. But think about this. The average high school graduate, by the time they graduate from high school, will have seen, catch this, 350,000 commercials in their life. And all those commercials say, you need me, and if you had me, you'd be happier. That's what it says. No, it's a myth. Here's the second part of that myth, that having more money will make me more important. You probably have heard the definition of status. Status is buying things you don't need with money you don't have to impress people you don't like. But yet, I see so many people that are trying to get their self-worth based on things that they own. It'll never happen. Here's a, another myth of more. Having more money will make me more secure. Let me ask you a question. How long would it take for you to lose everything? Exactly right. One heartbeat. It's gone. So rather than putting security in things that can be gone like that, the Bible says put in things that will never go away, the person of Jesus Christ. That's where security lasts. So let's ask a question. How do you manage your money? Now, the Bible, whenever it gives a dictation of success, here's a way to have success in your life, it'll give you a pattern. The Bible teaches you a pattern on how to achieve that success. And the Bible talks a lot about money. Here, if you want to succeed financially, here's the principle. 10, 10, 80. 10, 10, 80. Say it with me. 10, 10, 80. If you will do 10, 10, 80, you will never have problem with money ever. Here's what the principle says. The first 10%, the first 10%, you tithe. You give it back to God. It's his. You give the first 10%. The second 10%, you save. You invest it for something in the future. Then you learn to live on 80%. But how many know we as a country, we spend 102%, never, never, and we wonder why people are constantly struggling financially. See, God has principles that he wants us to apply. And if, if, as a church, if I could encourage us as we come into this next series in this next year, I really wish we could get this first principle of the first 10% and understand tithing because it opens up the door to all the rest. I always love how Pastor Keeves gives the analogy that Let's say your yard needed watering. Now, this year it's been an extra wet one, but typically in August it would need that. So let's say you bought, man, you bought the great sprinkler, you bought the great hose, and you're wondering why your lawn looks so bad all the time. It's because the hose has to be hooked up to a faucet. It doesn't matter if you got that, it has to be hooked to a faucet. There's a source for the water. That's for us. God is the source. We're the hose. And God cannot pour out his blessings 
unless we apply the principles. Deuteronomy 14 talks about this. It says very clearly, the first 10% of everything is God's. It says it very clearly. But yet, we don't always trust God, and so God can't multiply. God's a multiplier. He wants to multiply in your life and my life, but he can't because we haven't entrusted anything to him. When you connect to the source, God's blessings will overflow. A great example of this is a guy that maybe you've heard the name Truett Cathy. Now, if you don't know the name, you know what he started, Chick-fil-A. When Truett Cathy started Chick-fil-A, he was a very devout believer, and he said, I'm going to live my life, and we're going to run a business that way. And so that's one of the reasons Chick-fil-A will never be open on Sundays, even though it costs him millions of dollars. In 1982, Chick-fil-A was struggling. The economy had hit, but also there's a lot of other fast food competition, and their revenue went down. And so they met, the corporate executives met at a retreat to determine, what are we about? And here's the question that he asked them. He says, why are we in business? And here's what they determined their corporate statement. Chick-fil-A exists to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that's entrusted to us and have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. Think about that. In the next six months, their revenue shot up 40% and they've never looked back. See, I always love what Pastor Keith says, God's work done God's way never lacks God's support ever. God wants you and I to manage our money the right way. I will manage my money. Thanks, Reed. I just find it interesting that Truett Cathy and, and the executives of Chick-fil-A, which is anybody in this room would love to have one of those restaurants in your hands. And I find it interesting of all the fast food they're not open on the weekend, basically Sunday. And yet they're killing it. Could it be that when you hook up to the hose, God actually does what he said he'll do? When you keep the right things right and the first things first? And their, and their purpose statement is just the great commandment. Let me just read it to you again. To glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that is entrusted to us. That's loving God with all your heart, soul, mind and have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. That's loving your neighbor as yourself. They're just loving God, loving people, keeping the first thing first. And Jesus said that. You seek first the kingdom, all of these things will be taken care of. And I really want to be that church. I just want to be that church that just takes the things of God. You know, I, I, I just find that interesting when it comes to our money. We want to manage it but we keep talking to the wrong manager. The greatest financial advisor you'll ever meet is God. Amen. Hands down. The greatest financial. He cares more than anybody else could ever imagine. And my wife and I, we're living it out. We're absolutely seeing it and the fruit of it. You know, William James said this, whenever two people meet, there are really six people present. There's each man as he sees himself, each man as the other person sees him, and each man as he really is. And he'd go on to say, the man he really is is the only one that matters because that's the one that God knows. We can learn how to play out Broadway and Hollywood in our personal lives all the time and put on a mask and think that we're getting away with something or they will never know. God knows. There's nothing in your life hidden. 
There's not a thought you've had that God doesn't know it. And he longs to make such an incredible difference in our lives. Oh my goodness, he just so wants to show you who he is. But we've got to get real about these M&Ms. And I, so I just want to walk through them and again, ask yourself, you know, I think about how many people, they'll make a statement, you know, but it's my money. How are you doing when it comes to managing your money? And people say, it's my money. And I'm like, that's the great myth. That's probably the myth number four when it comes to more. It's not yours. It's not yours. And I can just share with you, I understand why. I think when we do a funeral here, I think we should have the casket wide open because people go, that's my money, and they keep it in their pockets. And I think everybody in the church should walk by and check the pockets of the deceased because I'm pretty sure they're empty. People go, but it's my money. I worked hard for it. Who gave you the gift of your hands? Who gave you the gift to think? Who gave you the gift that you can walk and move? Who gave you all of that? God did. Everything you have comes from the incredible God who loves you and adores you and gave you these incredible abilities. Everything belongs to the Lord. How are you doing with it? How about when it comes to mastering your moods? The older people will get this. Are you Dwight Moody? Or are you just always moody? <laughs> Dwight Moody was an incredible man of God and understood that his life is a testimony all the time. Are you quick to fly off the handle, fly in rage, react? How are you doing when it comes to mastering your moods? How about muzzling your mouth? Every one of those is a choice. Those M&Ms are just absolutely a choice. You get to choose. Will I speak words into someone of hope and help? Or will I just hurt them? How are you doing with your words? How are you doing, if you will, with the moments? Do you merit them? Do you make them count? When's the last time you told your wife she's beautiful? When's the last time you told your kids how proud you are of them? And believe it or not, even silence speaks volumes. Don't ever think, well, I can't think of anything nice to say. Without even saying anything, you've already said it. You've already said it. The power of words. Can I tell you what Jesus said? And again, I'm quoting from Eugene Peterson's The Message. Don't look for shortcuts to God. Church, you need to hear this. There aren't any. You're wasting time. Matthew 7, 13, he says, don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. He says this, don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do. Well, I don't want to be the crowd. I want to be Christ. I want to learn to look at these M&Ms and discipline them to be like Jesus. I'll say this. I don't want to be a follower. I want to be a disciple. There's no shortcut in that. That's looking at your life and being honest. So which one is it? Or maybe it's two or three. Maybe it's all of them that you need to look and say, God, I need to yield these to you. It's so important you understand that as we're moving into this unshakable series. I'm excited about this series. I'm thrilled about it. One of the things that we're doing is, is you'll see one of these. And we want everybody in the church to have one. It's a personal devotional, and I don't bring it attention. I want to tell you as your pastor how I really want to help you. 
But what we preach on the weekend, starting next weekend, I have written a personal devotional for you every morning when you get up, which ties into the weekend, and it challenges you even personally to be more deeper and to take a look at the things in your, with your relationship with Christ. I've produced a video for life groups to, again, take it a little bit, if you will, deeper and allowing the group to talk about it, that we would really want to be a disciple of Jesus. Boy, God is, God is longing for his people to be unshakable in a very shaky time. Church, the world's a mess, specifically this country. And it's time for God's people to say, I am building my life on the rock. That's what people are looking for. Not people playing church, not people just kind of playing the game, but living that life in love among them, showing them what really can be and watching you experiencing what God longs to do in your life. For eight weeks, I'm just asking everyone, join a life group just for eight weeks and then be there every, every week at your life group. Determine in your heart, I'm not gonna miss Determine in your heart every weekend, starting next weekend, I'm going to be here. And you might go, but I already have this plan. Change the plan just for eight weeks because I believe God's going to do something amazing. I really believe the Holy Spirit's going to move in unbelievable, powerful ways. And you're going to get to experience like God that you've never experienced before. He's up to something and he's just longing to show you. But there's something we got to do. Make those steps. Look at these M&Ms and say, I really need to take these serious for eight weeks and then start inviting people. I'll guarantee you, if you claim to be a Christian, that you are a child of God, can I tell you something? There are people in your life that God put you amidst that don't know him and he wants you to help them understand that. <laughs> Invite them. Invite them. I'm going to show you how. To be able to share God's word and to be able to speak with them. But I want you to understand this. If you don't know how right now, you bring them here. I will. I love talking about Jesus. I love talking about the truth that's in the word. This is a moment. We're not out of the dream on campaign. The dream is still happening. I know there's people disappointed we didn't get a facility. But listen, I don't think that God changed his plan. I don't think that God led us wrong. I think God was doing something in our hearts and he's expanding us and saying, how big do you think I really am? According to your faith, it'll be done. The dream isn't over. There's things that God wants to do here like never before. And I can see it. I can taste it. I can smell it. God's up to something. And I can't wait to open up God's word to look at the book of Daniel, a book for our day and to watch what God's going to do and how he's going to move. So let me pray for you. Father, I'm, I'm pretty confident there's some in this room that are saying, man, I need to look at this M&M. God, I pray right now that they're not trying to push it aside. They're really right now, God, with you saying, God, you know, I need to deal with this one. I need to make this one right. I need to quit flying off the handle and letting my emotions tell me and dictate what is real. It's time to walk by faith. It's time to, as Paul said, that we walk in the Spirit of God. God, there's someone here when it comes to their finances, they know. 
They try to excuse it every way they can. They, they look at the bottom line and say, there's no way we could do this. But God, that's, that's the beautiful thing about you. That's what the miracle of God. When Kay and I started doing it, there was no way on paper. But we don't live according to paper. We live according to your word. And oh, we have watched you do amazing things. God, there's someone here that have been taking their time casually, carelessly, and they have not been meriting the moments. It's time. Start making every moment count to not miss that moment. God, every one of us, there's things we're dealing with. There's things that we need to look at. Is it our words? Have we been too quick to speak words that are hurtful? God, there's no shortcuts to you. But in you, we get to experience life. Life to the full. There's some M&Ms that we need to embrace. And we need to love. And then watch you do what only you can do. God, I say thanks. We don't want to be the crowd. We want to be Christ. Christ.